My friends, I love you. The Lord loves you so much. It is good to be with you right now. I'm going to dive into one of the most important topics we could possibly talk about. And this one probably won't go viral, you see, because people are really drawn to controversial topics or really mystical topics that are things like, I don't know, I, I had an exorcist on and we did a handful of, of shows. If you haven't seen the ones with Father Ripperger, you need to Google that. They're pretty mind-blowing and a lot of great spiritual insights. But, you know, you talk about the devil and those go viral, right? Uh, we're going to talk about a topic that I think if people actually stuck to what we're going to cover today, most of the problems that would go viral if we jumped into them, the problems in society, everything, uh, and, the, and the problems, frankly, that Father Ripperger has to deal with, all these things would kind of go away if, if people actually prayed. And this includes the, the problems in your own personal life. The amount of things that confusion gives way to clarity. Uh, interior dispositions that are just torturing us. There's a scripture, more torturous than all else is the human heart, right? It would calm down. Uh, how to feel comfortable with ourselves, how to feel comfortable with God, how to figure out the, the, the faith problems that we think are, are purely intellectual, but they're coming from a spiritual place. So many of these problems in society, people's divisions against each other, would just fade away if we actually became a people of prayer again. So, we're going to talk about how to do that. Not just formalized ritual prayer, but comfortable, one-on-one, -on -one, intimate conversation with the Lord. When you get that part right, it fixes most of the problems in our lives and in the world. This one should go viral. Maybe you could help me help that happen. Thanks for being with us. Did you know how badly you need prayer? You need it. You know, there's a story about how Mother Teresa was, was talking to people who don't have the time to pray and say, oh, well, then you need to pray more. That when she felt too rushed, she would make time for a second holy hour. Wow. And I think about in my own life, the times that I'm so rushed that I can't pray, those are the times I need prayer the most desperately. And I reflect on the times that I've wasted the most time, focused on the wrong things, chasing the wrong dreams, and it's always the times that I haven't wasted time with Jesus in prayer. I need prayer. And frankly, I, I, just, I just need prayer so that I'm not a jerk. <laughs> I was on a trip the other day. Uh, I give talks around the country. This, is, this show is probably 5% of what I do with my time. vast majority of it, I'm on the road. I'm, I'm preaching the gospel live and in person. And I love doing that so much. Uh, but the guy who picked me up and drove me to the event was a, a Chris Stefanik fan, right? Probably watches this show. And, and we were just hanging out and talking about the Lord. And, and I said, hey, let's pray together before my talk. And after we prayed, he's like, wow. He's like, thanks for being the real deal. And that struck me as kind of funny. Like, thanks for being the real deal. Dude, do you, I'm not being heroic by praying. Do you have any idea how desperate I am? Like, if I don't do this, I become a total jerk. I'm desperate for prayer, and I'm conscious of that. And I love in Galatians, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Guys, these are things that naturally become fruits in our lives, that become evident to other people and to us when we live a life with the Holy Spirit, when His presence is overflowing from us. When I don't live a life that's rooted in prayer, 
where I'm not getting in my 40 minutes in the morning before I hit the day, where I might say other prayers. And I have to pray a lot more because I'm, I'm doing ministry stuff. When I don't give that kind of time to God, I notice that I have the opposite going on. I'm, I have fruits of an opposite tree of, of self-centeredness, of, of a lack of being tied into the presence of God. I see the opposite of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in myself. And i got to tell you, every fall from grace that you will watch happen in the church, it's started with someone not praying. It started with a fall from prayer, the discipline of prayer. They didn't feel like it. They didn't have, quote, time for it. So they just stopped doing it. Every single priest or bishop that fell from grace, whether it was into some sort of perversion or, or a financial scandal, all those scandals, they started with, with a priest that stopped praying his liturgy of the hours, that stopped the discipline of his prayer. He lost touch with God. He lost touch with, guess what? Grace. And I look at the misery in society today, guys, and it's not hard to see the misery in society. You know, and a lot of people will tell us, well, I'd become a Christian if, if those Christians weren't all a bunch of hypocrites, right? I mean, if all this Christianity thing was, stuff was, was real, wouldn't Christians be more obviously grace-filled people? Guys, as society falls away from God, falls away from prayer, falls away from grace, I got to tell you, that's one of the greatest proofs to me of the reality of all this Catholic stuff, of all this Christian stuff. It's one of the greatest proofs of the reality of grace. As we fall away from God, we become a society of jerks. Did, did you know that 80% of people who consider themselves conservatives said they, quote, hate liberals? 80% of people who consider themselves liberals hate conservatives? We've never been more divided. There was a poll done recently that showed that of the things that Americans value, traditionally have value, that have made us thrive as a country, things like family, uh, your community, uh, tolerance for other people. And I don't mean like this false tolerance of never disagreeing, but a tolerance of, I disagree with you, but I'll put up with you. Uh, financial success, a whole list of things. Every single one of those things has declined, except for money, financial success. It's one of the only things that people still value today. And a sense of meaninglessness has skyrocketed. One study recently showed that about 60% of young people felt so depressed that it was difficult to function. Now, your head's like a bad neighborhood. Do not go in there alone. If you feel depressed or struggle with mental illness or, or issues, talk to somebody. There's no shame in that. But you look at the stats, 60%. And 2016, first year that Gen Z entered college, over half of them self-reported as feeling below average in mental health. Gen Z, the least religious generation in history. I look at the decline of prayer life, the decline of people living in the grace of God, and I look at the widespread misery. Guys, turns out what your grandma was doing actually worked, and that as flawed as all these Christians are, there was something real about the grace in their life that didn't only express itself in their lives, but in society as a whole. A healthier world is born of, of a people that prays, of a people that's more faith-filled and acting on the faith by being in touch with God, by going to church. So I pray. I pray because I need it. You know why else I pray, though? And this one's not going to uh, be as easy to accept for a lot of postmodern people, people raised in a highly secularized world that we tend to do God on our terms. Even if you're devoutly religious, a lot of people do the whole faith thing because it's therapeutic for them and it feels good. Because of the personal gain they might experience and see from it. Kind of like a spiritual coaching, right? That's it. But guys, another, another reason that I pray 
and that I want to challenge you to think about prayer this way is because it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Thomas Aquinas talked about how religiosity, not a hollow, empty religiosity like the Pharisees had, but a devotion to faith, to holy things, and a, a tangible expression of inward beliefs. That they had a habit of doing that. That religiosity is a virtue under the subject of justice. Justice is giving to someone what is due to them. So throughout history, our, our sense of religiosity and our outward expressions of inward faith have come from our natural sense of justice. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church talks about how public worship does not just fulfill uh, divine law, but natural law. It fulfills natural law. That there's something inherently human that, that appeals to our sense of fairness to experience life and say, this came from some source outside of myself. I should look for that source and, in tangible ways, express thanks, offer sacrifice back to that source. It, it's natural. It's the right thing to do to get together, even publicly, and to pray. But how do you do it? How do you do it? Before I talk about how-to in practical ways that you can do in your everyday life, that could change your life, first I want to talk about the posture that you should bring into prayer. I'll never forget one time I was at Mass, and my little girl Clementine was next to me, and she was probably three or four at the time, and she's just sitting there next to me staring at me like this the whole time, with this cute little grin that made it almost impossible for me to pray. And I looked down at her for a minute, and then she said, you're my dad. And she didn't avert her gaze from me. And she just said that and kept smiling and kept staring at me. <laughs> Guys, this is the spirit that we should enter into prayer with. As important as all the how-to questions are, and am I doing it right, or are my hands folded right, far more important than all that is, you're my dad. It's entering into prayer, knowing that you're entering into the presence of your Father who loves to see you there. And let me go a step further, guys. Every time you thought about prayer, the fact that you're watching this video on how to pray, every time you thought about it, you know where that thought originated? It didn't come from your heart and mind. It came from that heart and mind that created space and time. See, if you thought about prayer, it's because God first thought about you. If you thought, maybe I should pray, it's because He whispered into your ear, come talk to me. You got up on Sunday morning, maybe I should go to Mass. Or your parents are trying to get you out the door to Mass if you're in a bratty teenage phase. It's because God urged your parents, get that brat to Mass because I love him enough to die for him. All prayer originates with the heart of God. I love this. This is uh, from the Catechism, and it talks about the woman at the well. Which, by the way, when Jesus encountered the woman at the well, he first asked her for a drink. And then he turned the tables on her and said, if you knew who was talking to you, you'd ask me for a drink. And the Catechism says that this is a perfect analogy for prayer. And it says, whether we realize it or not, prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. God thirsts that we may thirst for Him. If you long for prayer, it's because your Father loves you and longs for you first and calls you. When you remember that, that shapes how you enter prayer. And I love St. Therese of Lisieux. She said, for me, prayer is a burst from the heart. It's a simple glance thrown toward heaven. I want to say that again because it's so beautiful. 
Prayer is a burst from the heart, a simple glance thrown toward heaven, a cry of thanksgiving and love in times of trial as well as times of joy. Man, how beautiful is that? So there's different ways that we pray, right? You're familiar with the liturgy. And that's a prayer that, like, you go to Mass or the Liturgy of the Hours. It's the prayer of the church, and you just join yourself to it. And this is one of the reasons I love being a Catholic. It's kind of like just sit down on the roller coaster, buckle up, and it goes. You experience all the sacraments, confession. I don't have to wonder, was my heart in the right place? Did God really forgive me? I went through the motions, and, and people poo-poo that a little sometimes. Yeah, just going through the motions. Dude, it's awesome to not put that much pressure on myself and to know that I could just go through certain motions and God's grace is there. And He shows up and He meets me where I am in all my tiredness and all my lack of focus. And I hear the words, I absolve you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I just had the most profound experience of prayer. You know, why don't you just go straight to Jesus? No, no, no. I go straighter to Jesus because it's sacramental, right? <laughs> the most profound experience of prayer ever even in all my flaws. So there's that kind of prayer. There's the memorized prayers. And again, these kind of next level make it a little easier for us. There's prayers like the rosary, which is kind of a mantra, right? You're saying these Hail Marys and these beads, but you're thinking of these mysteries of the life of Christ, and it transforms us to be thinking of these things, even if the experience of being transformed is kind of low-key and kind of chill. It's transforming. It always is whenever you pray. But here's what I want to dive into right now. How to have intimate conversation with God when you're praying. How do you do this? Prayer is a burst from the heart, a glance thrown toward heaven. It's a simple conversation between you and your Father who loves you and invited you first into prayer every time that you pray. Now, a conversation goes two ways. You speak and you listen, right? How do you listen to God? I look for signs. I saw a leaf blow across the street. Am I supposed to leaf my boyfriend? No, right. You look for signs. Is <laughs> Maybe God will speak through signs. Maybe he'll speak through uh, uh, miracles. Maybe he'll, he'll speak through words written on the sky for you. Most frequently, God meets us where we're at and speaks to us in ways that we can understand. Through his word in the Bible. Now, I want to challenge you to do this. What God has to say, by the way, in the conversation between you and Him is more important than what you have to say. And I love Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Lutheran martyr who was killed by the Nazis, and he said, at the beginning of the day, I'm quiet, I listen to God because He gets the first word. At the end of the day, I'm quiet, I listen to God because He also gets the last word. Right? When I, when I listen to the Lord's word, I'm quiet for a minute. I open my Bible, which I can find on my phone. I, I read the Gospel of the day. Or, you know, frankly, you could just work your way through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And everything up to them is, is leading up to the Gospels, and everything after is commentary on the Gospels. Everything that is the Christian faith is found in the Gospels. Read a little bit, and I love the analogy of just a glass of fine wine. You don't just chug fine wine. If someone gave you a glass of wine and said, this is a $1,000 glass of wine. All right, a schlep like me wouldn't really know how to taste different from three-buck chuck, right? But, hey, I'll pretend I do. I'll, I'll, I'll swirl it around. I'll look at it. I don't know what I'm looking for, but I, you know, I'll pretend. Right. I'll smell it. I'll take a minute. I'll literally chew on it. What's that taste like? Before it goes down, I feel it go down my tongue, down my throat, into my stomach. This is how we're supposed to read the Word of God. Stop rushing. Listen to Him. Let this be a foundational part of your prayer life. 
and just listen to his word. And then I ask, Lord, how are you speaking to me through your word? And I do this with my kids on the way to school as well. I do it myself, and I do it with them on the way to school, and I ask, how is the Lord speaking to you? What words, what images jumped out at you? Because you're, if you're in a state of grace and asking him to speak to you, he's going to make those things rise up in your imagination and in your heart. And then you go with them. And maybe you don't have any conclusive answer in how I'm supposed to apply this to my daily life, but you can know the Lord is speaking to you through his word. And you should hold on to that image for the rest of the day. And then I talk to God from my heart. How do I do that? I want to give you an acronym that can change your life. And it's incredibly simple. I just did it this morning. And you could do this listening and speaking to God from your heart in seven minutes a day. Uh, this morning I took a solid half hour with it, all right? But you can do this in, in five minutes. And it, it is life-changing if you're disciplined and stick to it. ACTS is the, is the acronym. A, adoration. What is adoration? That's telling God how awesome he is. Not, not asking him for stuff. Not petition. Not, not uh, anything except just forgetting yourself, forgetting your whole life, and just talking about God. And I love the, the Gloria at Mass. We give you thanks, what? For your great glory. Who you are is just awesome. And when I do that, it orients my whole life in the right direction. The Catechism says that adoration is the first attitude of man acknowledging that he is a creature before his creator. Wow. It acknowledges that I'm a creature before my creator. There's a great joke that there's a difference between you and God. God never thinks he's you. Right? Adoration puts me in my place. It also puts all of life in its place. Everything's in its place before God. This is from the Catechism as well. Praise is the form of prayer which recognizes most immediately that God is God. It lauds God, L-A-U-D-S, for his own sake and gives him glory. Man. And this, the Catechism continues, the commandment to worship the Lord alone integrates man and saves him from endless disintegration. I want you to think about that word for a minute, disintegration. What happens when God is not in the throne of your heart? A thousand other things take his place. And it disintegrates you. You become disintegrated as you're chasing all these false gods that just come in without even inviting them and sit on the throne of your heart and divide your attention. Before you say anything else to God, remind yourself of who he is and thank him. The Gloria at Mass, Google it. Pray it out loud. Your favorite worship song. Not one of those songs that's talking all about you and your emotions, because there's a lot more worship songs like that today, which is it's fine, but it's not adoration. Uh, the, the Te Deum. You Google T-E, next word, D-E-U-M. There's a Catholic tradition that St. Ambrose prayed that spontaneously while baptizing St. Augustine. How cool is that? But it's a beautiful song of adoration that orients my soul and reminds me that God is God and I am not. A, adoration. C, contrition. I love this one. So you just told God how awesome he is. Now you tell God how not awesome you are. Now, contrition is not the same thing as beating yourself up. All right, there's a different type of spiritual temptation we could fall into. There's the true contrition and true sorrow that comes from the Holy Spirit that runs to God with the spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. Then there's the spirit of slavery that sees your sin with just as much accuracy as, as enlightenment of conscience guided by the Holy Spirit, but the conclusion is different. Instead of running to Him with trust, you start to then beat yourself up. 
Peter knew that he sinned, and he ran to Jesus and he accepted Jesus' forgiveness. Judas knew that he sinned, and he ran and killed himself. Revelation calls the devil the accuser of our brothers. What a great name for the devil. He has a great victory every time you sin. His greater victory is convincing you that you are a piece of dirt and you're no more than the sin you just committed, so don't bother getting up. You might as well do that a thousand more times. Contrition that comes from the Holy Spirit, it doesn't tear you down, it lifts you up. It actually produces joy in your soul. I think of St. Francis. You know, the Franciscans were not called the Franciscans. He didn't start a religious order and say, hey, these are my followers called, <laughs> you'll never guess, they're named after me, the Franciscans. That would be like me starting a group or having my apostle at Real Life Catholic and naming it the Christopherians. <laughs> you get to be a furry, a Christopherie. Sorry, I'm a nerd. Um, no, they call themselves the penitents. And they spent so much time just repenting of their sins. Isn't that funny? St. Francis did so much of, of, of the things he did, his dressing in robes, his serving the poor, out of penance for his sin, and yet... He's known as one of the most joyful saints in heaven. Why? Because when repentance, when contrition comes in the right place inside of you, you know what you're doing? You're saying, even now, even now, you're my dad. Even now. Real repentance is inspired by the Holy Spirit reminds you that this whole relationship between you and God is not about your perfect love for Him. It's about His perfect love for you. It's a source of joy. I probably told you this story before. I'm totally forgetting. If I have, roll with me. I had a, uh, a fight with my teenage son, and uh, this happens in homes with teenagers. And it was a low moment as a dad where he, would, he had just lost control of himself, and I, I, I found myself thinking, I can't believe my kid is saying this stuff to me right now. Someone should tell him, I have a show called The Chris Stefanik Show. <laughs> and uh, in one of my finer moments as a, as a father, instead of getting angry, I just said, I forgive you. I cut through all the noise. And he kept talking, so I said it again. And he kept talking, so I put my arm around him and said, I forgive you, buddy. And he cried on my shoulder and said, I'm sorry, Dad. That's real repentance, guys. That moment where we say, I'm a messed up kid. And we look up to heaven and we see God saying, yeah, I've noticed. And I'm your loving Father. Adoration. Contrition. Come into God in all your messiness as you are. T, thanksgiving acts. T is thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.5, 5, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm going to say this again because I'm not sure you believe Paul or the Word of God for what he's actually saying. Give thanks in every single imaginable circumstance in your life. All of them. All circumstances. Which means you find yourself someday falling into a wood chipper. Okay, I hope you don't die that day, that way, but you never know. In that circumstance, too, give thanks. You're racing off to drive the kids to school and you're late. Give thanks. You're having a great moment. You're watching the sunset. Reorder that to see that, that beautiful moment, not just as, as coming to you by chance, but as a gift from love. Thanks makes everything better. It lifts you up in your worst moments. It makes the, the good moments even better. When you look at a beautiful mountain, 
For the soul that gives thanks all the time, you're not just seeing randomly assorted molecules that say, oh, that looks pretty nice how the sun, this random uh, thing that's in the sky, hits those randomly assorted molecules. That's an atheistic worldview, right? You're saying, no, no, this is a piece of art given to me by a father who loves me. What a better way to experience life that is. Give thanks in all circumstances. And I, I need you to practice this. One of my dear friends, Navy SEAL, uh, Dom Rosso, I've been on over 350 combat missions, 360 combat missions. And I said, look, if I heard a gunshot, it would trigger me to run and hide. What would it trigger you to do? And he said, it would trigger me to think. And then I would, you know, go to the side and then attack that sound from the side. I'm like, dude, that's not normal. I know. But that which is not normal becomes automatic to him because he's trained himself so that that circumstance, that external stimuli that usually would trigger normal people to run and hide, triggers him to do something different. Christians, you need to look different. You need all the circumstances of your life to begin to trigger you to thank God. And that doesn't change all the annoying circumstances you will experience in life, but it absolutely positively changes you. And when you do this, when you do this in, in, the, in the circumstances that are just those annoyances in the everyday life, it kicks in when it's most important. One of my best and worst moments in marriage. My wife is a uh, survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And uh, first 10 years of our marriage, it was like something's off. And then she went through intense counseling for five years. And during that time, all her wounds were ripped open and I embodied everything that hurt her. And I just, I was so tired. And I just found myself praying, Lord, can't I have a normal marriage? Which, by the way, I don't think anyone has one of those. <laughs> I keep asking people, who here has a normal marriage? Like, I don't know. Everybody struggles in their own ways. But my prayer shifted in that moment because I was being so honest with the Lord and because I try to make a habit of thanking God in all circumstances. And I pray, Lord, what's the blessing to find here? And His grace just stepped in and I realized, dude, people with a, quote, normal marriage will never know what it's like to have their wives have to walk through hell and pain and their past issues and their wounds just to show up for you. Chris, you know a love that's deeper, that's more profound than, than husbands who don't have wives that have that particular wound. And I said, thank you, Lord, for my not normal marriage because I wouldn't trade this journey for anything. Gratitude preserved my marriage in that moment. Ingratitude destroys everything. I've seen marriages end for ingratitude. I've seen families turned upside down because kids home in on the one thing wrong with mom or dad. Y you look for the wrong thing, you're going to find them. By the way, teenagers, if you're watching, your parents didn't come with an owner's manual. Cut them some slack. But their parents could be doing 95% of things right, 5% wrong. They fixate on that. They talk to their friends about it. The ingratitude. Ingratitude in society today. Guys, there's plenty of problems in the world today. There's plenty of problems in American society. There's plenty of problems with your neighbor. We're becoming a society that's torn apart at the seams and that hates each other because all we see is what's worst in our neighbor in American history, in all these parts of society. Dude, if that's correct, if that warped worldview that says that we can reduce all of American history, for instance, to the worst piece of American history, if that's correct, then the conclusion that we should burn it all down is also correct. Of course, it's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Father Ripperger, exorcist friend. There's a day job for you, by the way. Um, I'll never forget him saying that, you know, Chris, demons don't just want us to think what they think, but as they think. 
and there's not a single grateful thought in hell. Ingratitude is a destructive power that you can push back all that darkness in every circumstance in your life by training yourself, training every circumstance that might trigger you to different responses to give thanks. Christian, someone cuts you off in the freeway, you do not wave one finger at them. Amen? I have a whole other teaching on this uh, thing about gratitude. You can just Google it, Christophanic Gratitude, Thanksgiving, Augustine Institute. I have a whole show just on this one topic because it's so powerful. But you don't wave one finger at them, especially if you have an I listen to formed Catholic you know, uh, media on your car. All five fingers up in the air, praising God right there. Can I hear an amen to that? Adoration, contrition, thanksgiving, and then finally the stuff that you need. Acts. Or supplication, if you like using theological and holy words. It's where you're asking God for stuff. Don't start there. Usually people think of prayer and they, and they jump right in. Well, if I'm going to pray to God for my heart, I'm going to ask Him for a bunch of stuff. They leave prayer more stressed than they started prayer because all they thought about was their problems instead of the greatness of God. That's why I list this one on purpose. Last. Acts. The big S at the end. Ask God. But i got to tell you, ask God with confidence because miracles still happen. And if I had another hour, I could talk about these miracles. I've seen miracles in my own life. I've seen inexplicable things happen. I've heard stories of friends praying with people that got a miracle on the spot. I went skiing with a person once who had stage 4 pancreatic cancer, did a novena to John Paul II, and was completely healed. That doesn't happen. Well, actually it does. Not regularly, not all the time, or else it wouldn't be called miracles, right? It, it would turn the entire natural order upside down. That's not how God works. But miracles do happen, and He's waiting for us to ask with confidence. And I think we don't see more of them because we don't ask with confidence. Guys, i got to tell you, for all the problems in the world, for all the problems in your personal life, when you talk to God, you unleash a torrent of grace. Fulton Sheen said that, that grace is hanging down from heaven on silken threads, and prayer is the scissor that just cuts them down. He doesn't just send them down. And I think there's a reason for that, because he wants us to have the joy of being partakers in the redemption of the world. Not just of knowing His love and His redemption of us, but of being part of bringing that wave of grace into the world and into your own life. <laughs> Pray. Pray from your heart. Listen to God, then adoration, contrition, thanksgiving, supplication. I want to end with this psalm. Psalm 27, 8. My heart says of you, seek His face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. It's not easy to pray, guys. You have so many stinking distractions. But every time that you feel that slight, still, small voice urging you to pray, don't pick up that phone for that distraction. Talk to God from your heart. Stop scrolling on Instagram. Talk to God from your heart. That little voice inside, that's our Lord calling you because He loves you and He wants to see you in prayer. And He wants to make your life awesome. God bless you. Love you guys. Thanks for being with me. Share this one. Make this one viral. Man, wasn't that great? Listen, if you don't want to be happy, be sure not to subscribe. But if you want a more joyful life, the kind of life that God created you for, the kind of life Jesus promised when he said, I came to give you life to the full, then make sure you hit subscribe and share this channel with everybody you know.